When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in on Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Last one for me till next Tuesday. Elijah and Damon will have it for you on Monday. And then a best of tomorrow. We have the company holiday Friday and keep all your digits Saturday. No Hale Varsity weekend. So let's get to it. Let's get you into the holiday weekend. Plenty of Nebraska football thoughts. More from Scott Frost on a mindset that needs to be a reality if we're going to have college football can join us today 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865 numbers to get in you can also email us chris at alevarsity.com find us follow us on twitter at schmidt underscore radio chris schmidt at herbal essence for elijah herbal and as always follow espn uh lincoln for on twitter and uh, at hail varsity so your mind has changed 150 different times we had this conversation two months ago we've had this conversation two weeks ago we've had this conversation two days ago and it shifts like weather in Nebraska. It does when you think about football and the fall and what can happen, what's happening around the nation, what's happening in Big Ten country, what's happening in the Midwest. And you just wonder if it is to be. I think, yes, they'll find a way to play football. Nebraska has done this very effectively. They have planned this to a T when it came to coming back and taking care of their student-athletes and also being concerned about the community. The problem is you hope Nebraska has somebody to play. I'm not naive to think that Nebraska won't have more infections, but are you? is it, is it a bombshell to you anymore when you read a headline? that says LSU, 30 players, that it says Kansas State, 90 for 90 when players came back to campus. And all of a sudden, bang, there's 18. Nebraska, what was the number? 250 kids uh, and members of the athletic department tested eight positive tests. Is that number going to be 15? Is that number going to stay at eight? I look at the community we're in here in, in Lincoln, And I know we have friends in Columbus and in central Nebraska, Carney Hastings, Grand Island. I know what Lincoln's numbers are at. I know where central Nebraska's numbers are at, and they're close to a phase three. I know Sarpy and Douglas continue to ascend. So are you going to get it? I pray no. Can you do things to prevent yourself if you're in a tough demo from getting it? Yeah. 
if you're a player and you're in a bubble like the NBA's trying to do, you have a better chance. And what do you do when it comes to football? <laughs> I mean, it's a contact sport. Do you have to have testing and data and then get a green light to say, okay, we have South Dakota State scheduled. We have Purdue scheduled for September 5th. Do we have to have an all-clear September 4th before we can proceed to officially having a September 5th game? These are all questions that need answers, and it's a fluid situation. We'll spend some time with Brandon Vogel coming up at 425. Uh, We are going to run down Mike Schuhart. Schuhart will be with us. Some golf thoughts to get in with him. Brad Edwards, more college football with him. And the pride of Fairbury making a Wednesday appearance, 525 tonight. Bill Dolman will be with us. The numbers to get in, 466-3776. Okay, Elijah, you've looked at me like, man, this is a little deep for a let's head into the weekend show. We will talk Tom Brady and and Jules uh, Edelman. Their love fest continues. Uh, We'll get into some, some Major League Baseball thoughts as well. But this is the question. I mean, you've got reporters around the country and some really good reporters. Nicole Arbach, friend of the show, uh, she had a long discussion with uh, many athletic directors, specifically, you know, what's the the guide and policy going to be? Sam McEwen had a really nice story about what's the Big Ten's plan, because it's kind of been each institution in the Big Ten for themselves to get things figured out. But here's just the reality here. When it comes to this pandemic, younger adults compared to the elderly are possible to get sick. Anyone can die from this, okay? Now, guys, Elijah's age... I'm going to use you as an example, you young 21-year-old you that's in a workout phase. You're in good shape. I'm going to give that. I'm going to grant you that right now. You could get it and and be okay. You could get it and have a sore throat. You could get it and have a fever, and and be good. Now, are you good to go for the rest of your life? Like you've, I've had the chicken pox and I've had the mumps and measles, which means I won't technically. I'm not supposed to get it again. Or is this thing going to? Be like the flu, where you can get your flu shot. There is a flu shot. There's no vaccine, clearly, for COVID. But is this going to just keep reemerging? Or does it go away once you have it? And and that's what, like, the question's been for the past month or two, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think there was a study. And you have have different takes. There was a study about a month ago that indicated you may be losing antibodies two to three months after you catch Mm. COVID. But I don't think it's very, I mean, we're still so... So Still new to this mm-hmm. that, that we don't know, and it's 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 scary. But this is kind of the month where you thought, if if we're going to start having a college football season, this is the month, and you're going to start getting some news, getting some some stuff set set in stone. And it doesn't feel like we're trending that way. No, all all that's set is in stone is we'll know in two weeks. I was talking to a couple folks last night. Junior had a baseball game, and this idea was was floated out there, and it's not just. Let's have 17 beers and tequila shots and come up with some absurdity. Although that would have been kind of fun based on how the score went last night. The <laughs> What about the government? Does the government step in and say, look, don't have a season. Here's 
a lot of zeros after a number and a check. We will take care of you. We will subsidize you universities in the name of safety. Now, there better be money that's handed back out and continually handed out to the mom and pops that depend on those seven football Saturdays in Lincoln, in Columbus, in Kearney, in North Platte, in Omaha. I mean, the reason I think we're going to have this, okay, and it could be it could be shrunk down to just your nine-game conference schedule. It could be a nine-game conference schedule, and you find somebody like a Kansas or a Kansas State that has good protocol with testing. And you can there's enough regional teams you can play one another, and it could end up being a pretty sweet schedule. It's already a monster schedule when you look at the last five for Nebraska if you get there. But you're just gonna you're just gonna have to play this by year. And and, and back to, to Frost's comments to, to SIP when it comes to people's mindset. You as a sports fan, does it is your shock worn off when you hear somebody has tested positive? The whole world's testing positive. And you know how rampant it is in different parts of the country. People have not been careful. All right. Nebraska's football team has been far more careful than your average American citizen when it comes to trying to stay healthy and safe because they want to go play ball. And, and football is too big to fail. It's too important financially because it feeds everyone else in the athletic department and it feeds the economy. There's other things that make the economy go round in the, in the, in the state of Nebraska, but football is huge and people depend on it. And everyone's already gotten kicked in the junk for the last X number of months with this COVID thing, with job losses, where sports is a business. This is amateur athletics, I'm air quoting. But it is a financial engine, as Bill Moose appropriately put, got to pay the mortgage. Football pays a lot of mortgages. So I think in the name, and we can can go round and round if it's right, it's wrong, but it's a reality. You're going to play it because you need it, and you need it because it it makes money, and it feeds people, and it pays for mortgages. That's it. It's the economic part of things that trump everything with this. That's my take. I think they're going to find a way to play. The SEC, hell Yes. (laughs) <laughs> there could be Corona shots, all right? Instead of Jaeger, there could be Corona shots. And, and there's some section of the SEC fan base that's going to say, hey, give me two, <laughs> Utah. They'll take him and let's go watch some football. I mean, they, they think they're, they're not just them, but there's some folks out there that think they're invincible. Bring me on, bring me some football. You've got some kids telling Pete Thamel from the New York Times now with the, is he with the Athletic? No, I think he's with the Athletic. No, it's Yahoo. Forgive me. Mm. Pete's pretty premier. He's, he's big time. Only guy that ever wore like a $3,000 suit to the uh, media days because homeboy could. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> that, was, that was back in the big 12 media days when Bob Stoops came on the scene 20 years ago. I'm old. I need men just for men gray away. So... What we got here is there's some football players that want COVID now 
so they lessen the risk in season. And you've got players right now that are like, look, I want to go play in the NFL. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to play and put tape out there so I can get drafted. This is my dream to play ball. I want to, I want to win in college, but I want to play pro football beyond. And there's just a reality here that is football so bad where, yeah, a kid could get sick and there could be long-lasting remnants of, of COVID. Yeah, we, we don't know a lot about this, man. I'm the last guy to play a doctor on the radio. But who's to say you don't get it anyway if you're going to class or if you're going to the store? And I'm not trying to freak anybody out. I'm just saying, do, you, do, do your chances go up if you play football? I mean, I'll tell you what, guys that, that put a helmet and chin strap on have a greater chance of getting a test and a test result back than a lot of us. That's so I'm not pissed about it. I'm just, they're right there. And that's the reason I think that college football especially is at a greater risk. NFL, I, I think we're going to have a season. Well, it's pro. It's pro. Yeah, the, the college is just, it's such, you have the academic it's, institution it's, side of it. It's amateur. It's, it's amateur. It's health, it's, and let's be honest, man. It is liability. Mm-hmm. It's liability. I mean, you're, you're telling these kids' parents, hey, we're going to keep your kids safe for four years. You tell me this, bro. You've played, you've played high, fo- high level football. Okay. You've gone to a, a, you've gone to state a couple, three times in your career. Okay. You've played, at a, at a marquee Class A schedule. Southeast is a damn good high school football program, and it's been that way forever. So that's, that's you tell me, put yourself in, in the shoes four years ago. You're, you're experiencing and dealing with this now. Would you play? I would have, I'm with the players that are college football players. I would have hoped to catch COVID in the summertime, so I'm good for the season. Would you have actively participated in getting COVID like some knucklehead high school kids down in Alabama? I mean, I wouldn't go like have some kid cough on me. That's okay. for sure. But I mean, I, I'd, I wouldn't be You would want to play ball. I would want to play ball. Yeah. Especially whenever, I mean, football, especially for a lot of these guys, it's, it's a fleeting thing. You get it for a couple years. You get a couple years of high school. And if you're lucky, you'll get a couple years of college. And that's about it. So you don't want to lose this season. You want to play all the seasons that you can. You've been putting in work for the past nine months since the exactly. last season ended. You don't want that to go to waste. You want to play. You just said it. But, I mean, you, there's got to be people up above that are saying it's not safe for you. And, and that's, that's the thing is it's out of these college football players' but hands. We've had people say football is not safe for decades. That's true. Okay? <laughs> that's very true. Okay? So you do it because either you're good at it, you can make money at it, or you love it. Or you're just angry and you like to beat the hell out of people and it's legal to do for 60 minutes. There you go. There'll be a season. I am emphatic with this. If there is not, you are getting paid off to not play. Mm, the universities yeah. are that's getting sure. a ch- the universities are going to get money from the government to not play ball. There's your two options, and if if you get a rampant case of COVID through your program, and well, it's not safe for our school to play, you'll probably forfeit. That's just the win loss column. I don't know what it entails economically. If South Dakota State can't travel down here, you don't get a check. Sorry. If South Dakota State infects someone's football team, I'm using them as an example and read Mitch Sherman's story because he caught up with the athletic director. 
not blaming them. It's just what's fresh in my mind about no testing. And, and Mitch was really good yesterday about like, look, that was that was the headline. That was the click. Wow. But things are going to be OK for the Jacks. And I think Nebraska is going to have a football season. I think Nebraska, at worst, will have a Big Ten football season. Yeah. Period. Does Cincinnati roll to town? Does Central Michigan find their way here? Does South Dakota get in? I don't know. But if teams sign off, there's no reason you can't replace. I mean, Nebraska is not the only potential program to have problems with this. Filling a schedule last minute. Call the Mad Hatter up. A lot of fun options. Iowa give, State. Give K-State a phone call. Get Campbell in here. Play Iowa twice. Home and road. Make their kicker stay home. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Best of Hail Varsity tomorrow, weekend, holiday, Friday, Saturday, Elijah Damon on Monday, and I'll be back Tuesday. We say hi to Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine. Add Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter's where you find him. Vogue's a lot to get into, and we'll get to football in a moment. Your anticipation level is what for Ozark Season 4? They are combining to a total of 14 episodes. It'll go a little probably Sopranos here slash Breaking Bad, the final season where we've still got two years of Ozark, likely, but it's going to be one finale. Are are you excited about this or does it get screwed up kind of like the final season of uh, House of Cards? Yeah, it seems like most final seasons get get screwed up. Ozark's a medium for me. Like, it, it's a show that I'll watch. Um, I didn't, like, jump into the newest season right away when it was released. Uh, when I finally got around to it, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about a five on a five to ten scale, or a zero to ten scale there with with a return. I, I'm, I'm probably more invested in the storyline that I may have been at the end of just season one. So I got hooked back in a little bit uh, during the, our, our stay at home time. Let's just be honest. And I won't spoil it for those of you who have not finished season three or started season one through three, the ease and descending, the ending to season three made all of us smile. <laughs> Indeed it did. Um, it was kind of really yeah, it, it was a it was a good place to to end on, um, and, and like you said, so now we'll uh, we'll, we'll wait and see uh, what the final act has in store. Okay, I I, I I wanted your take on Ozark. I didn't know where you were at. If it's like in Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul air for you, or if it's a little bit you know behind in the race and and you have it a little behind, which is fine. I just think Bateman's incredible. He's a different dude. Than a Walter White, than a than a than a Don Draper, than a uh, Game of Thrones, and whatever shows you want to throw in there, I'm kind of throwing out the, the most popular's or Saul Goodman or, or Jimmy. Um, but man, it, it's I, I I loved the first season. I dug the second season. 
I thought the third kind of drug on, but it was when it was good, it was yeah. great. So, yeah, give me give me fourteen more episodes, man. I'm probably you know Peaky Blinders. Are you in on that or not? Yeah, I do. I do enjoy that one. Um, so that, it, that one would be probably in tier two for me. So, so mm-hmm. tier one is you know like the Breaking Bad. Um, maybe Mad Men uh, mm-hmm. gets in there. Tier, Peaky Blinders probably tier two. Tier three, we're, we're down to, to Ozark territory, which is stuff that I still enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right, Bateman's great. Maury Lenny is also awesome, oh, yeah. Matt, I think. It, it's one that spins its tires a little bit, though. Um, and, and when that starts <laughs> to happen, when I start to feel like that happening, that's happening, I lose a little bit of interest, but I usually power through. Did you ever take a roadie down to Ozark territory for fireworks? <laughs> No, no. Where I'm from, you, Wyoming is is the the wild, wild ah. west where you go to get stuff. That you're you're good. Uh, <laughs> you said oh, I'm good. Wasn't supposed to. <laughs> wasn't supposed to come back across the border. <laughs> so, and, and Wyoming, you know, is, is it was. I don't know where it's at currently, but it was kind of a year round fireworks stand place. <laughs> so, you know, any any occasion where you felt like you you needed some some low level explosives. Uh, you could just hop across the border and, and usually find somebody willing to accommodate you. Brain, you're missing out. I took an hour and a half trip down to Missouri yesterday. They have bottle rockets down there. They don't sell those here. I didn't bring any back, obviously. I would never do that. But. And, and Brandon's about to say, oh, yeah, well, they sell rockets in Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> no, you could get bottle rockets in, in Wyoming. Um, that, was definitely, that was definitely true. That was always the one, you know, I, I guess I guess I get it. It's it's pretty pretty significant fire risk, but for like such a, a low uh, impact uh, experience of lighting off a bottle rocket, I never quite understood why they were so uh, so prohibited. But the fact that they were made those the ones that you had to get. They were awesome. Vogues, we'll get to football here. Thanks for talking a little uh, Netflix and, and fireworks as we get into. The uh, the Independence Weekend. I, I need a, a thought from you and reaction on Scott Frost's comments to the, the World Herald and Journal star on Adrian Martinez, the, the preparation line from, from Coach that um, we had a, a, a great discussion about yesterday. Also, Frost's comments on, on the mindset that needs to change with COVID. And you know what? It's it it's likely that that folks are going to continue to get this whether there's football or not. So if you, if you, if we're going to have football, you need to accept the fact that kids are going to get infected. Not that you want that, not that you need that by any means, but there's way to to treat it. Uh, what do you think of both of those topics of conversation? Yeah, I guess we'll. We'll work back to the front. Uh, so with, with with the kind of the, the comments about testing, I mean, I, I see where he's coming from. I mean, the, the least amount of risk here is, you know, a total kind of stay-at-home order mm-hmm. for, for everyone. And, you know, and who knows if things don't change pretty significantly soon. We, we could be headed towards something like that. But beyond that, you know, there's there's increasing amounts of risk every time you have to venture out and even under those stay-at-home orders you know you still have to go to the grocery store you still have to go to work uh in, in many cases like there's just kind of no risk-free environment out there that still looks like like normal you know something close to to normal life so i guess in that perspective you know it, it certainly makes sense um and you know when you look at particularly people in this age range of, of the players, 
if you have kind of a, a common goal in mind, like, hey, guys, we have to be smart so we can stay on the field and continue to play football, and you have a, a pretty controlled environment, um, I, I don't think it's you know a, a ridiculous notion to think, yeah, they could be safer here because the the other option would be, you know, you, you don't play. There's there's kind of no guardrails in place, and everyone is free to to make whatever whatever choices they're going to make. Um, and then some will make smart choices, and some won't. And you know that's the case with anything. Um, so, I, yeah, there's there's some truth there. Um, and, and the testing lag time is, is something that's that's it, it, a potential problem. It's just it's tough. We're trying to kind of retrofit everything that we knew in the past to a future that suddenly looks, looks very different. And it just doesn't always line up in, in every way. And it's, it's going to take some, some time to, to just be able to deal with that. And, you know, I think there's going to be some big decisions that have to be made for, for college football in general pretty soon. Uh, we're into July now and that those, those deadlines are kind of coming up. So I figure we'll, we'll know a little bit more here shortly. Um, as far as Adrian Martinez goes, that was, that was certainly interesting too. Um, you know, I, what Frost said about kind of not taking preparation for granted. You know, that could go that could go a lot of different ways. You know, are we talking about preseason only? Are we talking about week of games? Are we talking about you know it was a little different for non-conference games versus conference games? I think there's you know when you you go from an environment where everything is new, you're competing to win a job, um, and then competing to kind of get this this uh, program restructure or rebuild off on the right foot um, yeah that that's that's a situation where maybe it's a little bit easier not to take things for granted you come back the following year you, you don't have that competition um, you feel like okay I've done this once before it, 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 it you know stands for reason that it's easier to be com- a little more complacent in the in the second scenario than the first, um, and that might explain a little bit of the struggles that, that we saw Adrian have at times, particularly when you combine the, the injury and Nebraska had to do a lot of restructuring on offense. Um, and I, I think you can say that without it coming across as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Well well done there. And there's, there's a long list of what went wrong last year. And preparation was, was part of that intensity might have been part of that and the difference from year two adrian on the practice field to year one that's kind of my read on it did did you how hard were you going compared to just fighting for a job right i mean there's a different intensity there it's just natural it's human nature to be a little more relaxed versus fighting for your life so to speak to, to win a job Brandon Vogels with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor. Vogues, before we I got about three minutes here. So Whataburger is going to drop a franchise in Kansas City because Patrick Mahomes wants him some Whataburger. He's a Texas kid. If Brandon Vogel had to open a fast food chain, what would you open? Uh, well, where I currently live, I mean, is, is Runza listening? Uh, okay. If they want to open a Runza. Brandon Vogel here, wants a um, green uh, hat. <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll take that happily. Um, yeah, Taco John's was, you know, uh, Wyoming based chain, obviously all over Nebraska. But that's one that my Western Nebraska upbringing was always kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, 
I'm always I'm always under some potato olive. So that might be might be pretty close second for me. I'm still trying to work off a roll from the six pack and a pound era. So <laughs> it is what it is. Wait, did, did they do away with the six pack and a pound? No, I'm just saying I, I I've eaten enough six packs and a pound to feed a third world country. <laughs> Those are the best. Oh, they they rock. <laughs> they they are so good. Uh, Vogue's uh, the yearbook is exquisite. Congratulations to you and the incredible staff at Hale Varsity. One more time, why folks need it? Yeah, it's uh, a look at a season to the to the best degree that we you know, felt like we had a, a good enough idea on what was going on. So all of the standard kind of season preview stuff is there so if you want to you know kind of take a step outside and say like hey i just really want to focus on what this season could be in the way that i've always done as a husker fan uh we're going to talk about the positions in depth we're going to talk about opponents in depth uh you can do that the future space obviously is a little bit more reflective of kind of all of the change that has happened since since last march since we last published an issue uh so i feel like it really provides kind of the best of both worlds you know it's it's timely also a little bit timeless in terms of, you know, hey, at our heart, we love to talk and think about and write about football. Uh, and there's a lot of that in there. All right. I can't uh, tell you how good it is. Get it yourself. Subscribe, 8553 Husker or backslash subscribe and, and package it. It is uh, just an absurdly low price point for you. You get the digital and the print, and you're a happy Happy Husker fan. Vogues, have a great fourth, bud. You and the family, and, and we'll talk next week. You too, guys. Right, there he is. That's Brandon Vogel, managing editor, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. And uh, we will talk some golf. Mike Shuart, Shuey, out at Wilderness Ridge. We'll get to him next. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back to you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herba, we say hi to Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, it is going to be just a fantastic weekend for golf, holiday weekend. The course is looking phenomenal. I bet you're busy. I bet you're busy. I bet you're busy all weekend. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, that's an understatement. It's been uh, quite busy out here, so that's a good thing, though. Well, think about it, man. You can go play 9 or 18. You can go hit the talent course as well. And then socially distance in the sunshine, on the deck, with a a whiskey, beer, or vodka. I mean, bang. I mean, that's just the way to get going. All three sounds good, actually. (laughs) It wants, depending (laughs) on what you shot, right? That's Uh, right. And uh, get some grub. And, man, there's a lot to get to. And I loved our our caddy chat uh, last last Wednesday where you you went off, brother. It was great on caddies. I got to ask you, what caddy, to your knowledge in the PGA, like takes takes the most abuse or has worked for like has gone through the ringer of of work with with folks uh there's quite a few of them out there you know that your established players they get a guy and they stick with that guy yeah but the other guys that are trying to look to find that guy and the caddy himself i mean the caddy's looking for the next superstar sure so he's trying he's trying to find a guy that he's going to go make a lot of money (laughs) with so it's like if they see a guy that they don't think is 
you know, is playing all that well or, uh, you know, so they hop around just as much as the, as, as the players are looking for the right kind of caddy, you know, and then they find that kind of mix. Uh, they stick together for a while, you know, and, but caddies are, yeah, the first and foremost. I mean, it's it's the three ups that a caddy basically has to do. He has to keep up, he's got to show up, and he's got to shut up. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the three most important things you look for a caddy, man. The most important is they hopefully they show up every morning, you know, because they've been known not to do that at times. So and you got to have your caddy. So it's like if you can find the guy that at least shows up all the time, that's that's the first step. And then if you can keep up while he's out playing, that's even better. And then just make sure he doesn't talk too much. Yeah, that's probably understood. But is there a, a epic story? We don't have to name names, but any any meltdown you witnessed with caddy and player where a caddy finally had enough and just let let loose on the player? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's had enough. He's like, I'm done. He's he dropped the bag and and left, and the and the player had to grab somebody out of the crowd to carry his bag the last couple holes. Wow! So he, he had enough of the abuse. Do you think that's... I'll give you a good caddy story? I okay. had a caddy. Yeah. Um, and uh, his name was the Jazz Man. Okay. Jazz Man was a he was a prisoner of war. He had a great story, but he had a little too much Agent Orange over his years over there in Nam. Okay. So so we're standing on the seventeenth tee at. Uh, at Detroit, in Detroit, playing the tournament. We're playing pretty good. So we're talking about what to hit, doing this, doing this. And I had a Herbie head, cu- head cover. So, and, and jazz men like to smoke a lot. So before I know it, I smell something. I look down, and Herbie Husker is ablaze. He started him on fire. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Wait, so what, was it, in, was it intentional? <laughs> No, he was just standing there, and he had a cigarette right next to his little orange hair that he has, yellow hair that he has, and he went paying attention and started the thing on fire. So Herbie was ablaze right there on my driver. And your reaction? I'm like, get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) Throw it in the water. (laughs) That's pretty good. The the time Herbie got set on fire (laughs) uh, by by the jazz man, uh, as authored by... By uh, Mike Shue, Art Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, uh, who do you like here for the um, upcoming tourney that kicks off on Thursday? Rocket Mortgage. Anyone you're leaning towards? i tell you who's been playing great is Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, yeah. And he's played solid the last bunch of weeks. And, I, you know, he worked out and put on 40 pounds of muscle. And he's hitting at 400 yards. And uh, he's also playing some dang good golf. You know, he's finished. He's had a chance to win every tournament so far this year so and he's playing again so he'll be one he'll play good again and uh i think you're going to see somebody that is not your typical name play really well this week you know like a abraham answer uh joaquin okay. neiman so i like abraham answer mike schwartz with us wilderness ridge golf hail varsity radio yeah, DeChambeau is six straight uh, top ten, so he's on fire. What do you know about the Detroit uh, Golf Club? Uh, I don't know a lot about that because they changed venues from when we played. Um, but it'll be like most, I mean, up in Detroit. I mean, it'll be a traditional tree-lined golf course. Um, it'll be a little cooler weather. you got some thick rough, so you got to be able to drive it 
relatively straight, keep it out of the rough. But those guys are so strong anymore. I mean, the rough is like nothing for them. Um, and they they're shooting low, man. They 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 go twenty some under without a without any problem. That's impressive. I will no doubt find the rough at Wilderness uh, this weekend. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to, to try and avoid that. I need to hear about your divot dogs and, and you know, Fit Fridays and, of course, uh, lessons. Folks can come see the shoe man, Mike Shuart. Tell me a little bit here about oh, yeah. uh, your, so we had our, your schedule. Yeah, we, we had our first match, kind of an interclub match against Firethorn last uh, Friday. We beat them 117 to 63. So they took a little bit of a butt kicking. An AK? So we re- yeah. We have a rematch with them tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, 730. Bang. Over here at our place. So, Love it. Yeah. And so things are going strong. We don't have Fit Fridays this week. We uh, took off a week. Um, but uh, we'll continue those up probably the following week. They've been going really strong. A lot of, lot of people hitting the new clubs that are out there. So that's exciting. And then golf is just crazy. And the 4th of July is right around the corner. So yeah. it'll be a busy week. Folks can come see you and get uh, get fixed, right? You bet. Anytime. Well, good Gotta enough. Give me, give me a holler, set up a time, and we'll fix them up. Yep. Go see Mike Shuart. Shuey's out at Wilderness Ridge. Enjoy the deck. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the golf, man. And Shuey, you have a great 4th. We'll see you soon, bud. All right. You too. Thanks for having me. Thank you much. Love that guy, Mike Shuart. And we we coaxed him into the it had to be a heartbreaking story of the time is Herbie Husker head cover. Yeah, I was gonna say by, by some in this state, that's sacrilegious. Well, it wasn't like it was a intentional act. Uh, I, I need to hear more stories about the jazz man, his caddy. And if the guy had a heater going, you're just standing there waiting waiting for Shuey to do his thing. And there you go. I need to check my like my mascot. It's like it's like uh, Clark's tree. Got to got to check my my mascot handbook and see. Maybe that's like an American flag, and that's like the most respectful way to to let it go is by fire. But I would doubt it. I would really doubt it. <laughs> see, I I I'd, I'd be all for Little Red getting torched. Appe- that thing needs to go away. He appeals to the kids. Scares him. Yeah, I didn't like like a little red. Now as a kid, no, no, <laughs> red is terrifying. Little, little little red drove a windowless van. Okay, <laughs> and he's inflatable. That's all you need to know. The uh, folks at Missouri in '97 had their the uh, one time the assault went through. Missouri knew what was up. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Last thought on on Little Red the mascot, just real quick. Quick, Brad Edwards, college football insider, ESPN, coming up in ten minutes. Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, at five twenty-five as we head into the holiday weekend. So the the story goes: I was not in Columbia during the the ninety-seven miracle in Missouri. Was in my parents' basement screaming. I could be a fan then as a college student. And I had people that went down that I worked with that said Little Red was abducted by the Missouri student section and drug up into the stands. And then the antler crew tried to pop him. 
Can't you see that? Like Herbie and Little Red are just kind of kicking it along the sideline, and the next thing you know, Herbie's distracted like we're watching WWE, <laughs> and somebody comes along with a steel chair, and down goes Little Red, and I don't know that there was any steel chair use. I just know that Little Red ended up in the student section. I hope that's just urban legend. If we don't have college football season, how awesome would wrestling be with all the, the college mascots? I mean, if they can't test everyone at South Dakota State, can they at least test one or two mascots? We can get some like little... So you just want to see celebrity death match with the, 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 the college mascots? Well, I'd like to see Herbie wrestle like... I, I guess I don't even know my college mascots Chip, all that well. The Buffalo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just... There's a lot of good options here. Well, Bevo, Bevo would be a, a tough matchup. In Bevo's tranked out of his mind <laughs> until he's not during the Sugar Bowl. I swear, there's about seven times a week I walk up to the copy machine at the front desk and I flash back to Sports Center commercials where, you know, Derek Jeter's photocopying something for Keith Oberman and walking along is the, the, the Philly fanatic mascot who's the dirtiest thing there is. He's so obscene, it's hilarious. Uh, my favorite one was the uh, the Stuart Scott one where he's standing in front of the elevator mm-hmm. and the uh, the elevator opens up and it's the New Jersey Devil in there and he says, going up, and the devil just shakes his head. <laughs> Man, those are good commercials. I miss those. But I, we need to, like, the mascot needs a more prominent place. Some wrestling would be fun. I, I don't even know. Like, I mean, just, it seems kind of boring to just have them there hype up the crowd. What like, you need to do is just televise a day of paintball. Oh, with mascots. Oh, that would be good. That'd because, be all right. Because be, it's such a big target. Yeah, that'd make it a lot of fun. I mean, they had like that, that game mode in NCAA Football 14 where you could just play as the mascots. You'd have a team I love that. That was good. Now, Nebraska did make the cut for Madden. Yes. One of 10 college, 10 college football teams to, to be chosen. Uh, we're going to have Babbers back with you on uh, next Wednesday. Uh, Babbers lets me know he was driving through the uh, the Runza drive through when, when Vogel said he would open a Runza. <laughs> That'll be good. We'll uh, we'll ask Brad Edwards that question. We we may or may not ask Dolman. The, uh, the, the in reference to Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. there's going to be a Whataburger. Maybe you ever ate there? I don't think I've ever had Whataburger. Never had a Whataburger. Never had In and Out. Neither have the, I. The two, like, I. I've done I've done neither. Things. I've not been out to L.A. in a hundred thousand years. It's been a long time since I've been through Texas, and I didn't do the Whataburger thing. But I gotta say, if I was going to open a chain, Scooters, there's always a line. They still have the two employees in there that you're paying for. Well, fast food, though. I mean, if you need burger, fries, something, what are you going with? I would have gone Steak and Shake, but they have one in the in the Union now. Oh, is it? They have, it, they have one good? in Lincoln, but I'm not a, I, I like Steak and Shake. It's pretty solid. All right. Well, well, brighter minds will help us with this. Brad Edwards coming up, Hour 2. It's Hail Varsity. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Tower 2 at Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Bill Dolman coming up here in about 20 minutes. We welcome in Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider College Game Day at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, how's your uh, your week going? You ready for the fourth? 
Um, you know, week's going well. I am ready. Um, we we finally got some rain here. We had had, I think, like three hours of rain in about six weeks Man. Uh, coming into this week. And it was bad. I mean, we had just had, you know, scorched grass. And I was, I was walking out in my lawn and just heard the grass crunching under my feet. And uh, we went from that to, I think, it's rained like for the last five days, including some, you know, major lightning strikes. And so it went from one extreme to the other. But you know what? I'm, this is one of those times where I'm just I'm happy to have rain because because we need it. I hear you. We had uh, two inches last night, and uh, that freaks out the German Shepherd. But we deal with it. My yard's yeah. looking a little bit better. So there's uh, a little bit of optimism, and that's been met uh, at the goal line, so to speak, with uncertainty when it comes to, to college football season. And I know we've been round and round on this, but it just seems that there's more tension uh, as you know, the next two, three weeks are going to be huge if we move forward to play college football. And if, if, if schools say no, okay, someone will eventually step forward if we go that route and say, you know what, it's just not safe to play. Other schools will follow. How will athletic departments function without a paycheck for a year, Brad? I mean, you're a smart guy. You've gone through a lot of things. I'm not asking you to have all the answers or even this one, but let's talk uh, for a second here about what happens if some schools decide not to play. Is is there some sort of reimbursement that could happen somehow from the government, or is it just you're, you're, you're out and you're not playing? I, n- not anything that I've read about. I mean, you know, we've got a <laughs> – you know, we've got a situation here where schools are counting on certain amounts of money. I mean, I don't know. I mean, who, who would sell insurance against something like this? I don't know. There's, um, so, yeah, I mean, everything I've read is that, look, you're, you're just accepting that, that it's going to be a huge financial hit if you can't play, just like it was for the basketball tournament, you know, when, when everyone didn't get the money from that. I, you know, I, didn't, I haven't to this point seen anything about some – uh, insurance policy, you know, reimbursing the schools for what right. they lost on that. So uh, I would assume that if there's no football season, it would be the same type of thing. Now, I mean, look, I think in all future contracts, there will be some language written in in the event that something like this happens again. Uh, but for now, I, I don't think that there's any solution. And so the the question becomes, yeah, if, if some schools decide that for, you know, this reason or that, that they need to just go ahead and cancel the season – and of course, what we've seen, like some Division three schools, have already mm-hmm. done this, and there there are a handful that have you know that have already said they're not going to be any fall sports. And if that um, if that ends up you know just kind of bleeding into the FBS, so to speak, what will the reaction be? I don't think it's necessarily going to be if one does it that the dominoes will all fall. Um, let's put it this way. <laughs> I can't speak for Big Ten country, mm-hmm. but I, I think I speak pretty well for SEC country that if California decides that their schools aren't going to have fall sports, there's going to have to be a lot of other states that will have to fall in line before the uh, before the, the states in the SEC are going to make that decision. So if, if it's only the Pac-12, for example, or the Pac-12 and the Mountain West, I, I, I don't know. I, I just I think it's going to have to be a much higher percentage of, percentage of the country um, before some of these other states say, okay, we can't do it. Or it has to get to a point where if there are enough 
you know, name schools mm-hmm. that back out, then you have to say, okay, is there any legitimacy to a championship if, if that's what you're playing for without, you know, all the schools playing? I, you know, I, how much that affects it, I don't know. I mean, for look, for a lot of schools, let's be honest, I mean, in theory, they're playing for a championship when they step on the field for game one. But most of them know, even on the conference level, they're not winning a championship. They're, they're playing to, you know, um, I mean, the, well, the players have different motivations, but I think for the athletic department, the team's running out there in order to, you know, to, to fund not only their own sport for future seasons, but to fund the rest of the athletic department. So um, that's why I, I think it's, gonna, it, it's still going to take an extreme situation for schools to be willing to at least press the pause button where they would say, okay, maybe we should consider waiting and trying to trying to do this in some form during the spring. Brad Edwards with us, ESPN Insider College Game Day. Brad, do you envision the SEC moving forward with non-conference? And I know that it takes two to dance with some of the non-conference games, but say that things get, get murky and, and it's not, really great to travel for some for, for some schools out of some states with the SEC kind of expand their conference season to a to a 10 game schedule versus an eight game schedule yeah that's always an option you know you could play more conference games or you could even have some games against conference opponents that you wouldn't have played that count as non-conference games mm-hmm. uh, or you could end up with a lot of this becoming regionalized where you know, where some of the, the non-conference contracts just get canceled. And so instead of playing a team out of conference from a different region of the country, you've got, you know, Big Ten teams playing MAC teams and you've got SEC and ACC are playing against the, you know, Conference USA and the Sun Belt and, and the American. And, you know, same with the Big 12. I mean, there are obviously a, a few schools in Louisiana and Texas that are in those conferences and, and you know, Pac-12 Mountain West. You could see... I mean, there's always some regionalization in that anyway for travel budget purposes. But, but um, I, I think you might end up with, with even more of that if we get closer. And, I mean, you, you mentioned, Chris, the three weeks, you know, how the, the next three weeks are important. I, I do think that the bottom could fall out in the next three weeks. If, if we get in the late July and we still have high numbers of positive tests uh, within these rosters, uh, then – then they might just say, there's no way we can do this. We can't move forward. Um, but, but if you get to a point where, okay, some schools have trouble, but others are in pretty good situation at that point, that might be when they would you know, look at, okay, how can we redo some of these non-conference schedules? Because we can't trust that whoever we have in week one or week two is going to be able to play. So maybe we need to make arrangements to try to you know, make some sort of trade-off here and we'll play someone who's a little bit more in our region you know, where the, where the numbers aren't as bad. So I, I think that's part of it. And then, you know, the other thing, and, you know, you and I talked about this before, you know, what, what's the likelihood of playing? And I've always been pretty optimistic about this. Sure. And I think I told you last week, I think the fact that we're getting all these positive tests uh, for the players so far in advance is kind of a wake-up call. It's like, okay, everyone needs to be a lot more careful moving forward. But one thing that I hadn't considered, and I don't know why I didn't think of it uh, until I read an article today about it, is that you then the, the, the second problem you have is the rest of the student body reporting, you know, for classes. And so you might, you know, get to where your roster is under control, 
But then when you've got, I don't know how many thousands or in some cases tens of thousands of other students start showing up and, you know, they're doing college kid things. Now what? I mean, because because you could you could still catch it just being in class with them, even if you're, you know, doing the things that you're supposed to do. So I that's where I think this thing really starts to get problematic is what's going to happen, you know, at the very end of August and, and in September as these players are forced to merge, you know, with the rest of the student body after, you know, we would think six to eight weeks of, you know, having having done all the right things, then what happens? That's just it. I mean, you've got the 40 and under crowd where some of us have gone out to bars and restaurants or maybe been to the Ozarks, <laughs> you know, over, yeah, yeah. O- over, over a Memorial weekend and didn't mask or socially distant and you, you brought asymptomatic uh, COVID home and 12 people now have it. I mean, yeah, do that, do that math and college kids. I don't know about you, Brad, but I had a hell of a good time the first two weeks I was on my own. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, look, I mean, and as especially after having been locked up for so long, some yes. of these kids are going to, they're going to try to get back on campus as soon as they're allowed to. And, and you know, they're going to go crazy when they do. And, and of course their attitude is going to be, I mean, for 90% of them, Hey, you know what? This thing doesn't affect people our age. You know, right. like, like if I get it, I probably won't even feel anything. And even if I do, I'll be over it in a you know, week or so. And then, you know, and then, and then supposedly I can't catch it again, but you know, for this year. So, so I, you know, now I'm in the clear and, you know, I, I, I have no problem seeing, I am not understand me. I'm, I'm not saying I have no problem with them doing it, mm-hmm. but I have no problem seeing a bunch of college kids take that attitude. That that seems to be the way that uh, the way that people think when they're in that age group. And uh, unfortunately uh, that could cause a lot of problems for, I mean, look, even outside of the world of sports that, right. that can cause a lot of problems. Brad, you're you're close to the SEC. You, you keep your ear to the ground with coaches. How's a guy like Malzahn or 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 Coach O or or Saban? How are they they dealing with this? They they've got the ability and the desire to to keep kids safe. They want to do that. Dabo, let's throw Dabo in the mix as well. The Coach Frost has been really great here the last week. Uh, with, with some some thoughts and some honesty on, you know, he cares about the community, cares about the kids. He wants everyone safe, and, and he's asking guys to, to be safe. But you got to get guys ready to play as well. Guys are motivated to go play and, and hopefully get to the next level or or just, you know, kind of feel, fulfill their, 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 their athletic dreams. That's a juggling act, isn't it? You got to stay safe but get ready to play. I mean, it's, it's going to be a mess to even schedule a practice. Yeah, and that and that's the problem when you have these positive tests on your roster. Um, is that you know are we, you know, it, it's short term versus long term. As much as you want to get out and get an extra practice in, um, are you are, are you better off you know taking you know let's say three or four more days off just to make sure that you know that that this you know that that, that the three positive tests we we had aren't you know actually. 12 or 14 that are going to show up in a few more days after, after we do further testing. I don't know. I mean, and so, you know, that's, that's one part of it. And then, you know, of course, the other thing is most good coaches on a certain level, they, they love to be in control, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. especially college coaches, because they're used to being in control of so much 
and and now you've got a situation that that really is out of their control. Like I was saying earlier, when the you know it, it, it's one thing to get them in here now. You've got a bunch of positive tests, and it's okay, now we can control their environment for the most part. You know, and at least you can you can tell them what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do, and and if they do it, then everything should be okay. But then when the rest of the students come back now, now it's completely out of the coach's hands, and and you know everyone could be doing the right thing, and some of them still get it, and I, th- that's that's going to be just uh, just high levels of frustration for a lot of these coaches because. Um, you know, they, they expect results when people do the right things. And look, I mean, I, I guess you see plenty of examples in sports where you do what you're supposed to do and you still get a bad bounce. But th- that's basically what's going to happen with this virus. It, you know, is, is it in real life, you're going to get some bad bounces. You're going to do what you're supposed to do, and it's still going to go against you. And um, that's, uh, that's something they're just going to have to accept and, and move on just the same way that they would in a, in a, in a football game. You just accept it and move on. Brad, we've been talking here on the show. In the event that some non-conference games do get canceled, some non-Power Fives are unable to uh, to test themselves and say we're safe to come play, would it, would it even be possible for, say, a regional team like Kansas or Kansas State, Iowa State, to come play Nebraska? Is that reasonable in a modern college football world to think that could happen this year? Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think all sorts of stuff is on the table this year that you know might not have been previously. I mean, even... Even something like, um, you know, like you know, rivalries that have ended, uh, uh, you know, like like Oklahoma, Nebraska, or um, you you look at what Kansas, Missouri, mm-hmm. um, Texas, Texas A and M. I mean, th- there could be scenarios where both teams are in you know in need of having another game, and they can't play it with someone who's already on the schedule, and so. Uh, it might be that the thing just makes too much sense <laughs> uh, that they can't pass it up, even though they've been, you know, managed managing to avoid playing that game for you know so many years. So uh, who knows? I mean, I, I think there are a lot of possibilities uh, schedule wise that we're not discussing right now that could end up playing out over the next few months. Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider College Game Day. Brad, you and your family have a great, uh, happy, and safe 4th of July. We'll be back at it next week, and we'll run you down, time permitting, if that works with your schedule. But thanks for chatting today. Uh, Kind of a a heavy topic, but it's what's out there, you know, with college football. Thanks for your your insight and your input today. Well, thank you guys, and uh, I will uh, look forward to talking to you on the other side of the 4th. Be safe, and... uh, and, and Hopefully get outside and have some fun. Absolutely. You do the same. Take care, Brad. Thank you. Hey, take care. All right. Brad Edwards with us, CSPN Insider College Game Day. And uh, good stuff from him. And I I think that's where you're going to be. And we kind of hit on it in hour one, Elijah, with you're going to have to play a lot of it by year. And you could have the, the mother of all schedules in 2020 if you're allowed to play it. Or maybe you don't get a Central Michigan, but Iowa State had a cancellation. Or I'd be all right. I've said this for the last two years since they've been on the schedule. Let's get Colorado on the schedule every year. I mean, we were back to Akron. We canceled that game. All the possibilities people wanted. People wanted Kansas. People wanted Kansas State. All these different options. We might actually have a chance for it this year. Well, and it sucks that it took a pandemic for it. Pride of Fairbury is is next to NBC Sports. Bill Dolman on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Prada Fairberry is here. It's Bill Dolman, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Billy, do you have some Fairberry brand ready for the grill for the fourth? No, but I have a uh, Fairberry uh, flag. Uh, they make the uh, the Great American flag down in Fairbury, and so I have one of those getting ready to fly on the 4th of July. That is awesome. How are the selection? And we, we chatted with Brandon Vogel earlier. He always ended up going to Wyoming for his fireworks. Young, <laughs> young Elijah's already made the, the trip across the border to Missouri for uh, some of his boomers. Uh, you were so close down in the southeast part of, of Nebraska. Did you like routinely just like ride your bike to the fireworks stand across the <laughs> into Missouri, or, or well, did you well, did you make your own? Well, Kansas is of course a uh, suburb to uh, God's I, country in Fairbury, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you could. Uh, it was probably wise to get on your bike and do it since the drinking age back then was eighteen years of age. So Man. you could not only get yourself some three, two, and some fireworks at the same time. So. Uh, but no, I, I only heard about that from from others. Gotcha, I gotcha. Bill, yeah. the, the yeah. fireworks. I, I, let, I let other people blow up their own money, not mine. That's right. That's I, the way to do it, man. That's I, the Schmidt way. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Bill. The firework laws are pretty pretty strict in Colorado. You, you planning on making any trips this year, or are you you fine with keeping your money in your pocket? This is I, I, I don't I seriously I, I don't buy any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> the only thing that I would probably do is get those black snakes that uh, that make the marks on your on the sidewalk. Um, but I. I I, I do know that people are making their their pilgrimage uh, north of Fort Collins to get to uh, to Wyoming uh, right about now. As usually, the traffic is brutal between uh, Denver and Colorado Springs, you know, for about three hours a day. Mm-hmm. But now everybody's heading north to get across the border to get their stuff from uh, from Wyoming. Bill Dolman's with us. Billy D, a thought on Scott Frost's comments uh, regarding preparation and Adrian Martinez this week. Well, I think uh, I think that you know it's kind of twofold. I, I think that they they're legitimately happy, and I've not talked to anybody, but this is my my perspective. I think they're legitimately happy, maybe for the first time, with the with the quarterback room. Uh, and I remember last year talking about uh, you know the Bedrill kid was one of the most important guys on the roster because that first year there was nobody behind Adrian Martinez, uh, Andrew Bunch, um, so there was no backup. And then you, at least you had Bedrill had some experience that could be the backup. And now, uh, I, I was thinking about this today as I read that article. It, it does take me back to the um, to the, the championship seasons of '94 and '95. Uh, and and when and as great a quarterback as Tommy Frazier uh, was at Nebraska, and I think one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time, and I think one of the best seasons ever, should have won the Heisman Trophy, um, but. One of the things that I think made Tommy so great was the competition that he had with Brooke Behringer. And not to say that those guys were the best of friends, but I think that there was a healthy respect between the two of them. And I think, you know, when they showed up to work every day, Brooke wanted to beat Tommy, and he wanted to keep the job when he had the opportunity to keep it. And Tommy did not want, you know, to get beat out by Brooke. And so there was a motivation every single day that, you know, provided a a healthy respectful competition between the two to be the starting quarterback. I'm not saying that Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey are the, are Beringer and Frazier, but I'm saying that I, I, I think that there's going to be a healthy, legitimate 
quarterback competition between the two of them this year that I don't I don't get the sense from Scott in reading everything about it that the job is necessarily Adrian's to lose. I think it's his to keep and win. But I think that I think Nebraska has a, a healthy quarterback competition that will make Adrian Martinez better. You know, when he says lacks in preparation, I'm sure Adrian, you know, whether he was hurt last year fully, as bad as they say, that's one thing. But I, I got to believe that there may have been that sense of entitlement and that it's his job and he's going to keep it. Nobody's going to beat him out. Now I think he's got to worry about that. And that's going to make the team better. I think you're right. And I look at just the the threat to his job i mean look at look at the threat to his job last year i mean he he wasn't right man and people were calling for vedro people were calling for mccaffrey and, and he was dinged it was a knee it was a shoulder there was a lot yeah, I, around, think he was, I, I think he was beat up last year don't get me wrong i i do think yeah. that he took some shots and probably shouldn't have been in there and had you know nebraska been trying to preserve which they did that that freshman redshirt season for McCaffrey, McCaffrey probably would have played a heck of a lot more. Um, but, you know, give Adrian, you know, the benefit of the doubt that he was banged up. But I, I think this year he needs to understand that the guy behind him is, A, really popular, as all backup quarterbacks are, and B, he's really good. Mm. And, and I, I think, you know, I think that they could use, you know, McCaffrey in multiple ways in addition to being a quarterback, and I think we might see that. But, you know, I think this, they seem to be very high on the Smother kid, the Smothers kid from Alabama. Yeah. So I think that Nebraska's quarterback room is pretty solid, and um, and certainly, and maybe that's not saying much given this is Scott's third year and there was nothing in the cupboard in year one. But I think it's a pretty healthy position right now for Nebraska. Bill, it'll be uh, nice to see it actually happen. And we've been talking a lot of college football hypotheticals here. Do you just get the regular season? Do you get bowl games? Do you get conference games only? Do you get all 12? And I think the lean right now is that you're not going to get all 12. But who knows? Maybe things get better in two weeks. Maybe they get worse and numbers are skyrocketing with uh, positive infections everywhere. And, you know, I thought Nebraska was pretty good about releasing the the numbers on Monday. And Scott sat down with both newspapers and kind of laid out some thoughts, not just on the quarterback thing, but just, you know, life in general with uh, the fact that are you going to react in in horrific fashion every time you see a college football program or team – have a positive case. That's that's happening in the world, even though the, the, the football kids, a lot of them are, are being sheltered. They're trying to shelter. I mean, we just got in talking with Brad Edwards, and he's like, look, what happens when when everyone's going to class, right? I mean, it's just, it, it could be a mess. Are you still optimistic? Yeah, I'm optimistic because I, I think economics are going to play uh, a role when things get uh, rolling around in, in potentially rolling around in four months. And it's clear that people listen to the show when I'm on, because I talked about this about uh, three months ago, that you may see the schedules that are set for the 2020 season may get scrapped it, it, to a certain extent that you may have teams that have um, schools that have low rates in the, within their um, population regionally, mm-hmm. that those games are still on be it Nebraska and Iowa, be it Nebraska and Minnesota, South Dakota State, whatever the case might be, yeah, Purdue. But 
when you got say a cross-sectional game between a you know say and I don't know this to be the schedule okay mm-hmm. but let's say you've got a Penn State playing a UCLA well they may say you're not going to play UCLA and Penn State which may have a low uh, a, a low rate there they may have to you know at the last minute put together a game against Cincinnati sure you know something like something along those lines where you find regional pockets where the where the schedule before you know, maybe in the next 30 days, may has to be revamped and and put together with who do we see as eligible, and is it perhaps you know the games could get played in certain regions. I put I put uh, put out there that you know maybe the NFL instead of playing games in Los Angeles in New York, maybe you have those teams play their games in regional areas where you have low outbreaks, like Lincoln, Nebraska, right? Like West Texas or something like that, where you don't have high population areas with high rates. But, you know, we, I talked about this a while ago. You may have games that have to get scrapped and you've got to decide, look, we're in the same neighborhood. So let's, let's, let's get this game going on this specific date. And those teams that are in those high density areas like UCLA, uh, USC, University of Washington, whatever the case might be, it may be a season where you don't play mm. or maybe you only get a handful of games. It's going to be a dysfunctional season, but I do think that there is the will and there is the money, and I think that they will find a way. Bill, uh, about two minutes here, a thought. Let's go to the NFL. Cam Newton to New England. That was the news to start the week off. How does it work for Belichick? How does it work for Cam? What happens with the Patriots? Well, I think it's only going to work uh, with the people that are around him. You know, they had the, the greatest quarterback, arguably, in, in history, and he had nothing last year. New England had arguably its worst offensive line in the the twenty year Tom Brady era. He had no weapons on the outside uh, to to speak of, other than Julian Edelman. He didn't have Gronk. Uh, they you know they didn't have much of a ground game because they didn't have an offensive line. If they're not better in those other ten positions than they were a year ago, it's not going to matter. You know the fact that Cam Newton's there. I mean, if if he doesn't have support. He's not Tom Brady in terms of his, you know, football savvy and experience. You know, Brady couldn't will it to work last year. So I know Cam Newton's great, got, has great athletic ability, but he had a, he's coming off a couple of down seasons. And if he doesn't have help, I, I don't see how it's going to be great. Now, he may go into a situation where he's humbled, he's, you know, ready to do whatever, but it's all going to come down to personnel. And they didn't have it last year for Brady. And who knows if they have it now. Bill, when you look at those three teams, you got Carolina, New England, and then Tampa Bay. It's kind of where the quarterback carousel has been. Carolina gets Teddy Bridgewater, New England gets Cam Newton, and Tampa Bay gets Tom Brady. Of those three teams, who do you think ends up on top from their uh, their wheeling and dealing in the quarterback room? Well, clearly Tampa Bay. They've got a Husker for a general manager. I mean, come on, <laughs> Jason. Okay, and, I, and and I would say maybe New England second because they have Rex Burkhead in the backfield. At least I thought they did. Still and you know, and I th- I think you know I, I think the the Bridgewater signing by Carolina was was a good signing, but and Bridgewater had a had a wonderful season last year while Drew Brees was out, but he's going into a new system with a new NFL head coach, and yeah, they've got the the uh, the coordinator from uh, Joe Brady from LSU, so but there's there's just a lot of new things that I don't think we've seen 
long, long-term success over the course of a full season in recent years from Teddy Bridgewater to know what's best. But in terms of ranking it, I, it's, I, clearly I say Tampa Bay. They've got some receivers. They're going to be motivated. And, again, you've got a Husker as your general manager. I think secondly would probably be uh, Carolina because Bridgewater had such a you know, decent mm-hmm. time last year. But New England, I, I just don't know what they're going to have around Cam Newton uh, to, to make an upgrade overall offensively than what they had a year ago. To Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Billy D, happy 4th of July, brother. We'll talk to you next week and keep all your digits. Stay safe. <laughs> Not a problem here. Happy 4th of July to everybody back in God's country. All right. Take care, bud. Thank you. Bill Dolman with us on Hale Varsity Radio. A Jock Doc's on the way. We'll wind down a Wednesday with Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center, Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, you got your fireworks. I need to get out and get some fireworks. I kind of wish they would uh, open the shops up earlier. Are you uh, you're not going to head down to the border and, and do that thing? <laughs> I'm just passing along, <laughs> officer. I haven't tried that. Have you tried that? Uh, I'm going to plead the fifth on, on that one, and <laughs> I will point like a rat to, to both father, my father-in-law and my father. So uh, that's who's doing the, the big booms in the neighborhood, officers. I had a few of those last night, waking up from sleeping. Yeah, that's wonderful, isn't it? It's a whole nother jock doc next week on uh, injuries from fireworks. Stay tuned. There's some good ones out there. There are. There's people that should not drive, and there's folks that shouldn't drive and light at the same time. Uh, so let's get into some baseball now that we know it's going to be a 60-game regular season. Uh, you are going to have injuries pop up. And how are guys going to be able to perform specifically on the mound? Let's talk pitchers and Tommy John and Dr. Brandon. You, uh, There's some new data, some new info out there for folks that have – it seems like everybody and about anyone's had – some sort of uh, reconstruction go on, and that's 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 a broad brush. But more times than not, guys are coming back and they're performing pretty well to to okay post Tommy John. But some new data is out. Share that with us if you could. Yeah, you know, sure, and and especially to just some key points, kind of with what's going on now, and obviously we're in uncharted waters. This you know shorter baseball season. You know, you look at our our high school kids who you know, kind of got started with their baseball season and abruptly ended, and now we're kind of you know starting up real fast, and they're doing you know basically a game a day for the next month. Um, and so you know, as a side note to that, we're already starting to see kind of a rash of those injuries coming into the clinic as you go from you know doing nothing for the last couple months to boom, here you are, you're on the down pitching and he's gotten you know 30 days to essentially play your baseball season and so unfortunately you know I think this is going to be a, a tough year um, in terms of uh, baseball injuries I think we're going to see a lot of kind of early overuse type injuries show up um, as you know things go along with that you're probably going to see some more higher level type injuries you know maybe some Tommy John injuries will kind of increase in numbers and so, unfortunately, I think we're going to see some of that as patients try to, you know, athletes try to get ready for a shorter season, you know, more intense, more more games in between, you know, less rest in between, especially, you know, your pitchers are, are pretty vulnerable from that perspective. 
But as we kind of you know turn the focus of this conversation more on the Tommy John side of things, you talked about some new information that's coming out, and there are some new there is some new data coming out in terms of some research studies that are showing some newer trends uh, on the Tommy John side of things. You know, initially, you know, Tommy John surgery has been you know wildly successful uh, for the most part when you consider all of their surgeries that are out there. A majority of these players are getting back to you know their level of competition or higher, and so it's pretty fantastic from a you know surgical perspective, especially at a you know, Division One baseball level or major league level, professional level. So pretty amazing from that perspective. But we started to ask more questions through some of the, the you know, kind of the data and the research that's coming out there as we, we tend to trend and follow these athletes, you know, through their career, you know, are these athletes more at risk of, you know, you know, one, how about, you know, re-tearing that ligament? Or two, are they able to throw, you know, the volume of pitches and the number of innings that we're able to do before? And does it shorten their career? So some interesting questions that uh, we're starting to ask and starting to see some of those trends that are out there. Um, one of the kind of striking trends that we're definitely seeing out there is this concept of not being that person that can go as long in terms of innings or volume of pitches. We're starting to see kind of a big change from that perspective. Um, I think as you look at the trends, you're probably going to start to see that you know maybe those careers are cut a little bit short uh, with this as well. But again, that can go back to kind of how do you manage these players in terms of their innings, you know, if you do start to restrict them to an extent, which might be the right answer kind of based on what we're seeing with these early trends, is you're limiting some of their innings and their volume, and so maybe you might get more time or, or a longer credit of them despite, you know, having the Tommy John surgery. So these are kind of some of the new things that are out there, which is interesting as you look at, my goodness, all the people who have had Tommy John surgery, you look at a, an Otani who's about to come back this year after his, result, his surgery, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, you know, especially for him. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday, an update on how things are going post-Tommy John for some of the hurlers. And what what other, I guess, maladies do you see post-Tommy John? Obviously, you want to make sure everything's all right with the arm and the shoulder and the elbow. But are you seeing anything different or other things kind of ratchet up from a compensation standpoint, other parts of the body? Yeah, and, you know, great question. And so that that definitely is always uh, an issue we worry about. You know, you worry about a change in mechanics leading to some shoulder pathology, you know, some biceps issues in your shoulder, maybe some rotator cuff pathology. You know, most of the folks that, you know, as you kind of keep taking that step up to higher and higher levels, a lot of the, those folks have kind of that underlying kind of issue going on, whether it was in the elbow, they probably already had some underlying issues going on in the shoulder, and all those things obviously can get exacerbated after injury like this, especially if you're not working on those, you know, the mechanical pieces. The other thing that's different, too, is, you know, things do change when you have you know, your Tommy John done. Obviously, your mechanics changes. Maybe your mechanics become better mechanics, but as a result of that, maybe that irritates your shoulder differently because now you're throwing differently. So those are some of the, some of the things we worry about, at least acutely. You know, long-term for these folks, so one of the things that's always a bit of a concern is, is the nerve issue. You know, sometimes patients will will lay down some scar tissue around the nerve that you have to move for this procedure, which is called the ulnar nerve, which kind of runs in the area where everybody knows is their funny bone. Um, that's an area that can be of concern, although the, you know, the complications that are pretty low. Scar tissue is definitely an issue. And then obviously the issue of, you know, you keep kind of repetitively stressing this ligament, and this kind of speaks to the you know, volume issue of number of innings, number of pitches you're throwing in a career after your Tommy John surgery is what does that do to the graft, you know, that kind of chronic repetitive stretching over time that initially led to you having a Tommy John in the first place? 
you know, there is some breakdown of the graft, and you know, what about you know a re-rupture or you know insufficiency that kind of redevelops within that graft over time. And those are some big things that we definitely worry about. Uh, again, as as we've seen this kind of huge explosion in the numbers of Tommy Johns being done, and obviously you also see as a side note to that big numbers in terms of revisions being done as well, kind of a, a, a re-tear of the ligament or a redo of of the procedure as somebody's kind of stretched it out. And as a result of that, I mean, there's more of those being done, and so more of those players are kind of coming back into playing. And it'll be interesting to see how that data kind of plays out as we have more of those athletes who have done the revision side of things. How well do your your revision guys do in terms of coming back? Obviously, those statistics with small numbers are not great, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that trend ends up. Are you surprised that you still see a large number of, of Tommy Johns? From a you know from a protection standpoint, at the major league level, um, you look at that from two ways. You know, one you look at okay, we've got this you know great player we've invested in. Let's you know limit some of those innings. Let's see if we can't maybe extend out that career. And you know that's one of the pathways or thought processes of you know cutting down on those you know pitch counts and the volumes. The other side of that too is also is is recognizing that a lot of these you know young players coming into the league is how much have they been doing leading up to this. I mean, you just got to make sure these, you know, these young athletes who are doing just so much in terms of volume are taking a good three months off per year from all throwing activities just to rest that shoulder, to rest the elbow, to have appropriate recovery, to allow those growth plates to recover during that offseason. You know, that's where I see athletes get in trouble. And then the second part of it is following that rest is making sure you have a good warm-up aspect leading into a pitching program. We call it the interval throwing program, which is about a four- to six-week program that takes you from just kind of light throwing all the way up to throwing 100% of the mound. Those kind of things are great and are going to you know, cut back on those things. So as more of that information gets out there, it makes a difference. And hopefully we'll start to see you know the trend go the opposite direction in terms of the Tommy John. Dr. Brandon Seifert, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, have a good fourth, and thanks for a few minutes. You bet, Chris. You guys take care. Have a great fourth. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday. Podcast going to be up, HailVarsity.com or iTunes. Someday we'll tell you where to find it on Spotify. Sorry. You you and Damon, it's going to be a race to see who gets it on Spotify first. You needed some sort of incentive for one of us. That's what you need. I'll quit talking about it. How's <laughs> that? That, that? That's not good enough. <laughs> You'll just tune me out. That's fine. Uh, I want to remind you about your friends at West Blue Realty. And uh, go see the guys at West Blue today. Are you moving? Are you looking to purchase a home? They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. And Kelly Hofschneider does an incredible job with West Blue, 402-202-2312. Tom Luby also is incredible, and you can give Tom a shout as well at 402-540-3768. off the closing of your next home purchase when you mention Hale Varsity and uh, westbluerealty.com. That's where you log on. Find out more. Make an appointment. Go see him today with West Blue Realty, 1120 K Street, Suite 200 in Lincoln. Okay, so the plan for Elijah Herbal is what tonight? 
I'm going to try to make this a good best of show for tomorrow. That's that's first things first. Good, it, I mean, I'm not sure if we can go patriotic theme, what we can do. I mean, you have any ideas? Well, yeah, you've got Leach did a story of a Roman candle fight that he had as a kid. Or it was a dirt clod slash Roman candle fight when he was a teenager uh, in Cody, Wyoming. Back to the Wyoming theme of fireworks. So that's in there somewhere. So you got to okay. include Leach. Yep. Um, Bosworth had red, white, and blue in his hair at some point. So, close enough. That's got, right? got a, a connection. So that's back, man, that's back from... It's back from his 30 for 30 like five years ago. I, I mean, I've Inside been, the American Mob was a great miniseries on uh, Discovery. Mm-hmm. So Michael Franzese. I think we got, what, two segments with him? Or I have like five or six. Five or, or six, I, okay. I think we've interviewed him 10 times over the, the, the years. He's a little harder to get now. I, mm-hmm. I put him in a, for one, I think that's probably last summer, a best of show. Yeah. So, so I would, I would look him. Yeah. You do you. I don't care. I, mean, I know there's a, a couple weeks ago when we had that best of show. We talked so much about that uh, Hale Varsity spelling bee that I had to go find that and put that That was in good. There. I heard that Saturday morning a couple, couple weeks ago where that was on and that was hilarious. I had forgot. Well, I, I, I went and listened to it. I had forgot Clausburn knew how to spell gonorrhea like that. <laughs> that was the one. I was dying laughing when I heard that one. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was naughty. Uh, but it was kind of funny. So, no, you go to town, man. What do you got going tonight? I have. I need to buy a couple of burgers for Mama and Junior. She's working tonight, so I'm going to get the grill fired up. I am going to uh, pour a drink, and I am probably going to grill some vegetables, maybe some chicken breasts for me. I've already worked out today, man. I did a 1230 workout I, I, last two days. What, what, what muscle group? Uh, I did them all. I did legs, did upper body, did some core. And did some, you're going to like make old man jokes, me and Tom Brady, but the band resistance stuff. No, it's okay. It's good stuff. So yeah, I did an hour's worth. So yeah, my my calves don't hurt anymore. Can't feel them. All right. Be good. Have a great fourth. We'll talk to you Tuesday on Hail Varsity.